Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. 
Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. Derek, I understand he was 61 years old. I get it. But just like Dusty Rose being nearly 70 years old, it's still really, really tough to experience two legends in the business leaving us. And I know it's death is inevitable. It's going to happen to everyone. But it's still tough to experience in our lifetime. Two legends passing along. Uh, it definitely is. And honestly, Hot Rod is the embodiment of the classic heel. I mean, yeah, you could say Ric Flair is. But Hot Rod has got on your skin a little more that you liked it. You loved the joke, the prankster. But he was so diabolical and psychotic in a way. He just really, he's almost like the Joker. And uh, he just really kept you on the edge of your seat. I mean, I've had his action figures growing up where you put your thumb in the back of them and then wrestle and him and Hogan and, you know, just, oh, man, this was... And Dusty Rhodes passing away is horrible. I mean, that's just bad. Putting Roddy Piper on top of that is just... I mean, it's almost... Like, I'm sure you're more of a Dusty Rhodes guy than I am. I, I admire Piper. To me, he stood out a little more than Rhodes. Not saying that he was better than Rhodes, but just personal experience growing up. I had more exposure to Piper at times, and... He was just, he was the perfect, always had a smile on his face, but it was such a, a crap-eating grin, you want to call it. And it was just, never knew what was going to happen. And it's, again, it's sad. It's just been a horrible time for wrestling in the past, you know, month. And enough is enough. Give us a break already. Yeah. And just finding out that Superfly Jimmy Stuck is diagnosed with stomach cancer and Ah, man, I, I I hope he's not next. Uh, I surely hope that he recovers, and our thoughts and prayers are with Jimmy Superfly Snooker as he, you know, toughs out this really, really tough um, journey, you know, and, and really rough road of, of, of having cancer. And most of all, right now, our thoughts and prayers goes with the Toombs family, his, of course, many know his real name was Roderick Toombs, and so yeah, it, it it's it's tough, it's real tough, and we'll talk about we'll talk more about Piper later. Well deserved, amazing, amazing. So we'll devote some time at the end. The flavor of the week, we'll talk about his uh, 90, 1992 Intercontinental Championship win against the Mountie, WrestleMania eight, probably being his best match. Uh, of his WWE career, in my opinion. And, of course, the Mid-South days when he was feuding. And, I mean, he, oh, his heel work was amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, the Mid-Atlantic days when he was feuding against uh, uh, Ric Flair, who was the babyface. And, of course, Starcade 83, uh, the dog collar match, and uh, going into the <clears throat> being a foe of the NWO uh, toward the latter part of his career. So, well, we, uh, there's a lot to talk about Roddy Piper, and we're definitely going to do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, we are wrestling Twitter, Facebook. I am so sorry. I, I'm going to have to – I apologize in advance that I'm going to have to turn a, totally just tur- turn this totally around you know, I I I I'm sorry if you want to throw rocks at me, you do not throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. So try your best. <laughs> so there's another Piper quote for you. 
But uh, tough enough. Let's talk about tough enough. I, and I've said this before, it's just getting ridiculous week after week after week. This show is getting more and more ridiculous. And I, I'm just ashamed watching this. This this show is almost going, it, it's, it's almost the worst tough enough that you could ever experience in your life. Not because... You know, not not from the perspective of the winners, because it definitely seems like the the the, the popular vote is is what it's all about, and ZZ and and Sarah Lee are the two most popular people, uh, according to the fans. I'm not even I'm not even upset about that. I'm not upset about that at all. I'm upset about the horrible, horrible judging. I mean, I, and we'll talk about the Stone Cold podcast as well with Paige, but I I, I just am, am so just <laughs> annoyed and nauseated by The Miz. I mean, just... And 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 Paige even said this in our podcast that uh, in, in in the Stone Cold's podcast, you know we'll talk about that in a minute. But she specifically she said that you know the Miz is the one that's taking the heat, and absolutely he has because first of all, why in the world would the and we talked about this last week? Why in the world would the credentialing of you saving someone be be because they're quote unquote hot? That is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my life of that being a credential of you saving someone. I mean, Leilani Kai wasn't necessarily hot. The Fabulous Moolah wasn't hot. Mae Young wasn't hot. And, uh, you know, Bull Nakano certainly wasn't hot. Lundra Blaze, you know, she... You know, she she there was a, an attraction to her, but she didn't you know uh, she didn't forward herself or she didn't market herself as some hot diva. I mean, she did when she was Medusa in the latter day in the nineties in the WCW, but a lot of you know a lot of hers and everybody else's career was basically wearing you know leotards. You know, the jumping bomb angels in the in the eighties they weren't marketing themselves as you know being hot. I understand it's a new day, it's a new era, but at the same time, many of us are disgusted with what we're seeing. So I understand that, you know, the, the, the sex appeal and, and all that is, is is key, is strong candidates and strong factors in someone getting some exposures in the WWE. I get it. I, I get the market that you're trying to make. I get the appeal that you're trying to draw, but it really seems as if the Miz just do not. It just seems like he does not watch Tough Enough. I think even Paige called him out on that one week. But it just seems like he does not watch Tough Enough because Amanda, she's okay. She's won a challenge or so, uh, or, or or came close. But at the same time, he should be ashamed of one. Saving Amanda last week at the expense of Mata, who was my other than ZZ from a charismatic standpoint, but from, from a full package standpoint, Patrick and Mata were my favorites. Uh, 
and then this week saying that he wants Amanda in the bottom three, and then at the last minute changing his mind at the expense of Chelsea. And Chelsea is the one who's the best wrestler out of all of them. She's an, she's an indie wrestler. So basically in the past three weeks, this is a tough enough wrestling competition, and the two indie wrestlers that's a part of the cast who were leaps and bounds above everyone else on all factors, the two indie wrestlers are the ones who get eliminated. And I'm not okay with the Gigi save on pages in either because I understand that, you know, Gigi, she won a lot of challenges. She's great. But at the same time, you know, Paige is being a little bit hypocritical because she's saying that she voted Patrick uh, in the bottom three, who's leaps and bounds the best person on the cast, and then she saves Gigi because she feels as if she doesn't belong there. But but Gigi got the lowest amount of votes at the end, so if she wasn't going to be saved, she would have been eliminated. So there's so much contradiction and just knee-jerk decisions and just just repulsive <laughs> ridiculous decisions made in this show and just the Miz and Paige are just the worst that you can have and this show is just getting further and further in the tank to me. The thing about Tough Enough is I watched the first two or three episodes and then I kind of missed a couple in between and then I watched it tonight and it was it was boring. I, I didn't understand. I have yet to see them wear headgear when they're in the ring. You practice how you're going to play. And it's, you know, it makes them look like, I don't know. I mean, how, how do you learn to tuck your head if you're going to be wearing a helmet when you uh, slam on your back shoulder blade? You can't do that. I mean, it just doesn't work. It looks too, uh, what they want to wear their, you know, shoulder pads. And, well, I guess a lot of people wear shoulder pads. I don't get the point that it's stupid. There is no reason for that. There's no reason for the drama. The Miz is boring. I understand they had to put in a filler replacement, but I think it was last week we were talking about other people that would be so much better than that. You need yeah. a veteran. You need a Simon Cowell on that roster or on the on the panel. You need somebody who's seasoned, has experience. The Miz, give him all due respect, but he's not. He hasn't been in the game that that long compared to. Of course, they had to get rid of Hogan, but you could have had you put Jericho on there, put Jericho on the panel, and have somebody else. Let the Miz be the announcer. You know, it's just there's so much you can do. It's total crap right now, and it's boring. Yeah. So far, the comment of the night: you can tweet at Crave Wrestling or join the We Are Wrestling live stream comment board at wawnation.com. Uh, looks like uh, I, it, I love interaction uh, with with uh, listeners and fans of the show, and I've been doing this for the past few weeks now, and I think I'm gonna uh, keep it going because I love these comments. So far, the comment of the night is Jim Hurd must be booking tough enough. That is the comment of the night, and it's so apropos to exactly what's going on. This must be Jim Hurd must have some type of secret agent or secret consulting job like Vince Russo had in TNA not too long ago. It must be some type of secret consulting job that Hurd has with with Tough Enough in the WWE because 
this this has this has heard written all over it and it's and it's so sad and it it's just ridiculous i i don't exactly know what to, this is what it seems like this is what it seems like and, and you know i we're not going to indulge ourselves too much longer with this crap but it seems as if the Miz is getting some uh, kind of some force-handed suggestions from the higher-ups to do something like, you know, make Amanda go far so people can kind of get used to her or or people or she can, you know, she she would make more sense, you know, if she if she signs a, a contract you know, people would understand because she went far. I'm kind of seeing that, you know, with Amanda, but I, I don't see no spot with Amanda. We already have an Amanda in the WWE. Her name was Dana Brooke. So we don't need a second Dana Brooke. And even with Dana Brooke, she's, you know, she's a bodybuilder. I understand that Amanda did fitness modeling and all that. But Dana Brooke is all we need, you know, as far as someone who has the. Uh, who's basically the Amanda type of look to her. So I, I would, I, I'm totally against it. I don't think it makes any sense. And you can, you can do away with, with, with uh, Amanda and, you know, Gigi's good, but, you know, Sarah Lee's trying, you know, she's working on her stuff and I get it. And she's over. She's already popular. She has that AJ Lee, you know, type of look to her, you know, as far as, you know, her physique is concerned. She has that type of nerdy girl, every, you know, every, you know, every day, uh, great comment. Uh, we don't need a first Dana Brooke either. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, but yeah, I, it just, it just doesn't make any sense for these saves to be at the expense of people who real and, and Chelsea's promo was fantastic. I mean, she, she, her and Patrick had some two of the best, you know, last minute promos, the thirty seconds at the end of the show, and it just makes so much more sense to choose Chelsea because she was already on Raw. She had that, you know, that one appearance during the Daniel Bryan angle, uh, and Brie Bella came out, so it it makes sense, you know, for her to be there. I'm not a big Chelsea fan per se, but at the same time. She knows what she's doing. She's good at it. She has experience. She's she's worked in the indies, and so it's just ridiculous to me. It just makes no sense. I, I just get I just get annoyed every time I watch Tough Enough, and one of the only reasons why I'm doing it now is because you know I said in the beginning before Tough Enough came that we're going to make it a feature on the show. That's one of the only reasons why I I actually you know, put up with the show because of the people, because you guys and all the listeners are amazing. And, you know, even if it's ridiculous, it's worth talking about for the sake of uh, a segment on the show. Speaking of segment on the show, let's talk about the podcast with uh, Steve Austin and Paige. Now, okay, I'm, uh, pros and cons. Let's start with the pros. I I respect Paige for her for her family lineage. Uh you know the 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 uh the wrestling 
the 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 uh, the wrestling uh, uh, documentary that she that she was talking about, and, and Steve Austin was uh, uh, plugging. I, I watched that uh, a while ago, probably a year or two ago. Uh, I watched all of it. I get it. I respect you know the family for their hustle and their grind and their their passion. Uh, of working in the business in the UK, and, and Paige was right. I saw the I saw the documentary, you know, a while ago, and I saw you know just the the, the crowds that they were wrestling in front of, like they were really wrestling in front of very very little crowds. So I I respect that. I respect that in Paige. I respect the toughness. I respect the old school mentality that she has based on her parents being wrestlers. I get it. I respect it, and I did that, and and I did even when she came in. I did I, I did research about Paige, and I understood that you know her family. She came she came from lineage of of, of wrestlers, as she explained on the podcast, and that's why you know she got that's why she became successful in so little time, only being almost twenty three years old, and so I, I understand it, and and I and I respect that for what it is. You know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I respect the fact that you've been in the business for 10 years. I respect the fact that, you know, you, you've put some work in for that long and, you know, you, you get enough, you get my utmost respect for that. But you're only 22 years old, almost 23 years old. I mean, you even said on the show, on the podcast, that you have a lot of work to do. And I've seen it, and I've watched many, I've watched hundreds and hundreds of hours of different documentaries and different shoot interviews and different, uh, you know, um, um, specials about people who are aspiring to be in the WWE or just backstage stuff from NXT. Now, we see it all the time. We see it with, you know, Finn Balor having to start from scratch almost, having so much, you know, in the business, so much experience in the business in Ireland and in Japan. We see it with Hideo Itami. You know, he was, you know, GHC heavyweight champion as Kenta. You know, he was one of the best Japan stars uh, especially light heavyweight, but even when he ascended to heavyweight status, you know, Kenta was one of the best Japan wrestlers, you know, that there was before he went to the WWE. And, you know, and now he's Hideo Itami. So we've seen it. You know, Becky Lynch can, You know, Becky Lynch has the same story as Paige because she's been wrestling, you know, ever since, you know, she's been wrestling for quite some time uh, in, in Ireland. So she, it's like, I, I respect, I respect you, Paige. I respect your story, but your story isn't necessarily unique, because, you know, like all the people that I just named, and plus many, many more, they start from scratch. I mean, look at Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods has been wrestling in the business for almost ten years now. You know, he wrestled. And, you know, uh, independent NWA territories, you know, he wrestled uh, with TNA, you know, for a while when he was Consequences Creed and Austin Creed, teamed up with Jay Lethal, got released from TNA, then he wrestled in Japan, and then he finally gets a, you know, WWE spot, you know, but he had many years of wrestling underneath his belt. 
So again, you know, your story isn't necessarily unique. It's it's respectable, but it's not necessarily unique. And I just think that Paige was just, you know, I understand that they were compensating us for Hogan, but yeah, I mean that compensation left left me wanting more because it was a it was just like a fangirl, you know, basically meeting you know her, uh, <laughs> meeting her 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 idol you know she was marking out the whole time just about you know fiddling with her hair and just acting very you know i'm finally meeting my 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 favorite wrestler marking out the whole time it was it was quite annoying like i said i respected her stories but they're not one they're not unique and two I just don't think it. It just left me. It just left me wanting more. It wasn't it, to me. It just seemed like a regular podcast. Like if I'm if I'm thinking Stone Cold podcast, WWE Network. You know, Stone Austin's already set the bar with Vince and Triple H and Paul Heyman. If you want to kind of stay in that bar, Hogan would have been a good choice. But if you want to still stay in that bar, you want a last minute replacement for Hogan. Why not choose the Big Show? The Big Show would have been a good choice. I mean, we don't want to see him wrestle, but I'm sure the Big Show. I mean, the Big Show has 20 years of stories. You know, how did you feel when he won the the World Heavyweight Championship his first night of his first day of wrestling in 1995? How did you feel in 1999 when he, you know, came in attacking Steve Austin? There's so many questions that could have been asked to the Big Show. It would have been much more compelling just to watch the Big Show and to see the Big Show be interviewed than uh, than, than Paige. Uh, William Regal would have been a fantastic interview. Arn Anderson would have been a good interview. Fit Finley would have been a good interview. Ric Flair would have been a good interview. Like, there's so many people that could have – Shawn Michaels would have been a good interview. There's so many people that could have been a better option than Paige – I just it just seems like it just seemed like a Jericho podcast, you know that that comes on every week. It just it, it wasn't anything that stood out or was special to me at all. Uh, it was boring. It was so boring. And even Steve Austin, you could tell he was like pulling teeth. I mean, even yeah. he was halfway through it. I mean, he just seemed like he had to ask her twice. Well, well, what do you think? Or what do you say? It was. She, yeah, again, giggling and all that. Again, she was she's twenty three, and she's talking about well, back in the day when and she's right. talking like five years ago, and that's right. not back in the day. That's yeah, and I mean, it's Stone Cold has to be like I'm just like I'm talking to a six year old. You know I mean, it's because when I, in my heyday, you were probably still in diapers or in elementary school, right. so it's got nothing to talk about. And you just brought a great point. They could have brought anybody in there, even. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Shockmaster would have made a better interview than Paige. Yeah. yeah. I respect your lineage. I did. I did like that. That's great. But again, that only takes you so far. Cause it's only twenty-three years old. You know, you've been yeah. wrestling since you were fifteen. Okay. Well, you're thirteen. You're not very. You're not the. Yeah. You know, put together as far as yeah, I can pull this off and do They coordinated. That's what I was looking for. You just okay. It's fun. Yeah, but. That doesn't get 23. That's all I got to say. And it was a, oh, back in the day, in 2011, uh, yeah. I don't know what I was doing in 2011, but 
I wouldn't say that was back in the day. So anyway, yeah. it was a boring podcast. I'm sure Stone Cold's just as upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had an interesting meme uh, going around, passing around. Uh, be sure, you know, if if you know what meme I'm talking about, you know, we are wrestling. WAWNation.com is the king of memes. Uh, be sure, you know, to to post that meme up if if you know what I'm talking about. There's a meme of saying that uh, this basically wraps up the podcast, and it was the the gif i'm sorry it was it was the gif is what i'm referring to the gif was Paige like fiddling with her hair and then it went to austin and it was that that awkward moment towards the end where he just didn't say anything he was just kind of staring in space because it just seems like he wasn't interested but it, that that was the best gif that i've seen in quite some time i just kept looking at it today and it was absolutely hilarious but you know, great great comment. You know, even Samoa Joe had to start over, and Samoa Joe, perfect example. He came in. He's basically in and out of of NXT. Does not have a prominent role at all. I mean, Sami Zayn had to start over. Kevin Owens had to start over. Cesaro had to start over. Like all all of these people who has legitimate long-term wrestling experience had to start over. So respectfully, Paige, you're, again, your story is not unique as far as being in the in the business for 10 years. I I just named like 10 people, you know, who was in the business for 10 years who did not reach the pinnacle of their division. You were two-time Divas champion, one-time NXT champion, and you reached the pinnacle of your career, and you really didn't have to start over. All these people who I mentioned had to start over. So, eh, you know, it's not unique. Again, there it is right there. There, there There's the gift. Please, if you are lick, if you, if you are – Paying attention, if you're if you're viewing this somewhere else through any of the other media outlets, I'm going to plug WAWNation.com right now, and I and I implore you to go over to WAWNation.com and look at the gift that I'm referring to. It's it, it is it is absolutely hilarious. It is the podcast. It, explained all wrapped up it's 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 pays getting giddy and making some type of running gesture and fiddling with her hair and then goes to steve austin and he's uh just days in space and oh just absolutely hilarious that is that is the gift of the century right there so yeah, I mean that that was that was the podcast and that was tough enough. So uh it was very very interesting. So we get the raw. We get the raw. And basically what raw was all about was uh you know I and I've said this before on previous shows I I'm not happy with the build to SummerSlam. Like it's getting closer and closer to SummerSlam. Four-hour spectacle, and again, we still, other than Brock and Taker, there's only one 
official match for SummerSlam, which is absolutely ridiculous. So it's just a horrible way to lead us into SummerSlam. Very, very horrible. Typical opening with, with, with Seth Rollins. Wait a minute. Have I? What am I doing? I have not said a trivia question yet. What is going on? Trivia question of the night is what titles were unified in Japan when Kurt Angle and Shinsuke Nakamura competed against each other? What titles were unified in Japan when Kurt Angle went against Shinsuke Nakamura? And, uh, yeah, uh, the evolution of Shinsuke Nakamura is just absolutely amazing, too. I, uh, on Access TV, we have, um, <clears throat> here in the States, we're able to watch um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And most of my New Japan, just about all of my New Japan uh, viewing over the years were uh, was through the Internet. And so it feels great to actually <laughs> have New Japan on cable TV. Mind you, it's like it's recaps of like matches from about a year ago. But at the same time, a year to a year and a half ago, but it, it was it's still good to 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 view it and watch it. I, I enjoyed it. I watched uh, the match between Shinsuke uh, Nakamura and Bad Luck Fale uh, for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Fantastic match, and you know I, I saw the evolution of Bad Luck Fale when he was King Fale, and then Bad Luck, Bad Luck Fale. You know he's definitely evolved, uh, and, and he's and he's doing great. You know it, it was a, it was a great match, and then Nakamura just, you know his evolution. You know from uh, from a young you know character back you know about a dozen years ago, and now he's this career you know big charismatic rock star in Japan. So Nakamura is the man. Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. That would be a uh, fantastic match to see. Speaking of Seth Rollins, he opened up Raw. (laughs) That's a big surprise. But he opened up Raw with a very, very funny shirt that's, you know, trying to one-up one-up John Cena says never shuts up instead of never gives up, which is very funny. Of course, he cuts a promo. He challenges John Cena in a title versus title match at SummerSlam. Then he issues a, a an open challenge for himself. Neville accepts, and I'll tell you what, man, Rollins and Neville. I, I definitely don't think Neville's there yet as far as just the main event star. But man, that guy can go. I mean, I saw him. I remember when he was much, much smaller. Uh, there was, it was years and years ago. I, was, I watched an indie match between him and when he was Pac, him and AJ Styles, and the match was just absolutely amazing. But he's but he's gained so much muscle over the years, but he's still as agile as ever. And it was it was a perfect way to to, to set up a Neville versus Rollins match. Expecting El Torito under six feet, under 200 pounds. Neville comes out, and as soon as he came out, I said, "Oh yeah, this is going to be good." So, and it was. It, it, it was amazing. The only critique, and I, and I know I get it, 
it's it's there's hardly there was hardly nothing wrong with that match. But the only critique that I have is again, it did not make Seth Rollins look strong at all. He basically had no offense in the entire match against, respectfully, a really, really, really good wrestler, but he's not Mamie Fent level. He didn't have any offense against Neville out of anyone. It wasn't a back-and-forth match. Neville had some close calls, you know, got – Rollins rode out of some red arrows, and – Neville had most of the of the offense the entire match. I mean, great match, you know, great match from a psychological standpoint, but, oh, man, it really made Rollins look weak again. And so I just, you know, it gets to the point now that even if he is, even if he wins the match, which most likely is going to happen between him and Cena, which, again, why in the world are you just wasting an opportunity for someone else to be United States champion at SummerSlam. But even if he, even if he beats Cena and becomes the U.S. and world champion, that's still not going to help his world title reign. His world title reign was poorly booked. It made him look weak, and we saw it on Raw against Neville. Yeah, we certainly did. And the thing that's going on with Seth Rollins, he's really good at being the guy that can just squeak away and just kind of walk away from the situation and go out, not unscathed, but he still has the belt. He still wins by technicality. Or he's just able to keep the belt. I mean, they've built that around him since you know WrestleMania. That's just what he does. That's his forte at the moment. And, I mean, this is, since the Shield, I mean, that's just his only thing to do, and that's his saving grace. Neville, is, again, I totally agree with you. I mean, the match last night was absolutely phenomenal. It stole the show, but it made Rollins, again, just look like your typical Rollins, where he just squeaks by and just gets it, and I'll see you later, I'll get you next week, but I'm out here now, I'm going back to AAA so he can nestle me in his arms and tell me how great I am. So, I get that. John Cena, Going against uh, Rollins, SummerSlam, it's your typical WWE playing a fail thing. they got to have John Cena in the main event. Uh, really, This is not even the main event. But they have to put it on the card. They don't need this match. But they see that's what it looks like it's going to be. And it could be a good match, but it could just be a typical one of the middle. John Cena, just as good as going against Randy Orton. You know, it's one of those. Yeah. Absolutely, Kevin Nash, Mark Henry. These are all these are all good, good choices. Um, yes, the IW the, it was the IWGP title and the IGF third belt. So I'll give you IGF belt. So, you know, it was basically the third belt, IGF third belt that they were plugging, and the belt that uh, Kurt Angle brought over to TNA when uh, when. Um, uh, Anoki, Anoki's Federation and TNA had a little bit of, uh, of a collab going on with the two. So, yeah, it was Angle versus Nakamura, and Nakamura won. Nakamura won. It was a fantastic match a long, long, long time ago. Who played Oklahoma in WCW? Who portrayed Oklahoma 
and WCW. New Day and Ascension defeating Lucha Dragons, and uh, yeah, there it is. Great, uh, great picture there of uh, Nakamura um, winning the IWGP belt. You were unifying both titles. Awesome. All right, so uh, New Day and Ascension defeating Lucha Dragons and not Lost Matadores. I'm wondering if. I'm I'm really wondering if they're doing some type of six-way match again because elimination chamber worked. I guess I guess a six-man match would possibly make sense again uh with them being outside now, you know, they're not being caged up. They can do some high-flying moves outside. I guess a six-team match what makes sense again, maybe a gauntlet or something like that at uh, at uh, SummerSlam. I wouldn't be too opposed to that. And it, it also would not, it also would give a chance for the New Day to be a part of the match and actually win the match, which there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that they should win the match and regain the titles. Just when, you know, just when you thought that the New Day was just, not being interesting or, or going to die down, it, it they just continued to to be amazing, absolutely amazing. And the thing is, is that the 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 way that they come out, Xavier Woods just talking smack the whole time outside. Just those nuances are still making, still keeping life in in New Day. And so, I mean, they, they've, you know, they definitely are proving that they don't need the titles per se to be very interesting still, but they deserve to be champions. I mean, just, I mean, I, I was a fan of primetime players at one point in time, but at right now, no, it's just, they're, they're not as over as they used to be. And, they're not a terrible – They're them reforming was the best thing that the both of them could do because they both were just floundering as singles competitors just like uh, the Dudley boys were when they did the roster split. And we got Reverend Devon and basically hardcore bully uh, or hard, hardcore Bubba, excuse me, Bubba Ray at that time. He was hardcore champion feuding with Raven at the time, and, and uh, then we had Reverend Devon, who introduced uh, Deacon Batista in 2002. So both of them, you know, them splitting was not a good idea. It didn't take them long at all to reform. And similar to primetime players, they both of them were just floundering as, as singles competitors. It was absolutely horrible. So, yeah, it, it was it's a good idea to reform them, but... Eh, you know, they they finally had an opportunity to say that they were tag team champions. You know, they've had it for a few months now, and you know, they they've been champs. They 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 can say that at least. But it's definitely time for the new day to gain those titles back again. Well, and honestly, it's the new day. They've done so well with not having the belts, but staying relevant because everyone still loves it when they come out. The props to them. As far as them coming out and being with the Ascension, I mean, the Ascension just makes crap look that much worse when anyone comes out with them. Uh, 
primetime players, they, you know, they get their second win, they get their due, that's great. But, yeah, the belts ultimately need to come back to the new day. Because, again, they were awesome with the belts. Without the belts, they've been just as good. They've, As far as just having the crowd behind them and just having a, a presence about themselves, being entertainers and wrestlers at the same time. I mean, they just they keep fitting the bill. And so, of course, they need to get the belts back. But they've done an awesome, phenomenal job without having the belts and still you know, making everybody look at them. That these are This is a team that needs to have the belts. And five-time players sit in commentary. That's great. But at the end of the day, the New Day is the better team. You and I both know it, and it's, I think everybody out there knows it. And they've done so well to keep that promotion going. Absolutely. Brian Adams and Brian Clark, what was their team name? Brian Adams and Brian Clark have the team name of what? And yes, Ed Ferrara is the correct answer. Brian Adams and Brian Clark had the team name of what? Uh, funny, funny gift here of uh, uh, Xavier Woods. He he's just he just seems like he he just really seems comfortable in a heel role, and and all of all three of them are doing a fantastic job as a heel. And it's 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 good to see Kofi too. I mean, he's been babyface for so long, for all of his career actually, until uh, the New Day. So I think he came in '07, if I'm not mistaken, '06 or '07, around the same time as CM Punk did. So yeah, from from his debut in ECW till you know this year. So you're talking eight years or so that he that he's been. Uh, a baby face, and so yeah, it was it was you know it was time for a change, and you know definitely worked out to their favor. So uh, I'm sure we're going to get uh, answers, correct answers. Uh, absolutely, that is the correct answer. Great job, Chronic. Awesome, Chronic. Chronic is the correct answer. Next, we have Charlotte and Becky Lynch defeating the Bellas. Uh, good, good idea here. I, I just, I just want Nikki Bella to drop the title. To be honest with you, I just, uh, I mean, I, I just wonder if they're trying to, if they're trying to deliberately beat AJ's record with Nikki Bella. Like, I, I just, just. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like it's like never say never in the WWE a lot of times because I, I, I just oh my goodness, I just don't understand how they would do something like that. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise. It would not surprise me if that actually happened. Not not one bit if they do that just to spite CM Punk. Now I've been, you know, it's, this is episode 175, and just about every single episode, or well, the past three and a half years, I've been very anti CM Punk, and I, I've been very vocal about that. But at the same time, man, I mean, just why would you do that crap? That's that's ridiculous. Spiting CM Punk because or AJ and CM Punk because they both decided to leave and so they'll have Nikki Bella as a champion. That's uh, breaking the rain. 
this has been one of the most boring title reigns in, in, in recent history. At least at least when AJ and Paige were feuding against each other, it brought some life back to the Divas division. But before this Divas revolution, Nikki Bella's reign as champ has been awful. And it just... Uh, she just needs to, to to drop the title. She needs to drop it to somebody. Like I said, to me, Charlotte, Charlotte and Becky Lynch to me are the the, the two. They're, to me, with the divas that are in, on the main roster right now, the two that stand out the most to me are Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Uh, there, there's just a Lita type of spark and spunkiness to to Becky Lynch to me. And of course, you know Charlotte with her lineage. And so, if if as far as putting in on someone, I, I think I think a slow burn for Becky Lynch would be better. But Charlotte doesn't need a slow burn. You know, I I'd be totally okay with Charlotte defeating Nikki Bella and becoming Divas Champion. And honestly, this past year, two years, three years, it's probably. I mean, honestly, any fan is the lowest point in the Divas, the women's title division. The Bellas are born old. I can't stand them. I'm done with them. And it's, again, are they trying to fight Sam Punk? He knows. Who cares? That shouldn't matter. You've got bigger fish to fry. You've got women, a women's title that they call the Divas, that they need to really make something up. And it's so boring. I mean, it is. And it is. We talk about it week in and week out, and just when something's about to happen, when it comes down to brass tacks, forget about it. The last couple of years have been garbage, it's been boring, it's been ridiculous. The Divas division has been nothing but overrun by the Bellas, and it's, it's just, I'm tired of it. With this new Divas revolution, we'll see what's going to happen with that. But, I mean, even like I said, Paige came in looking like a renegade, and now she's a... a Fluffy is, you know, the, the Bellas. I just, there's no, I don't see any fight that could really help them if they don't really harness and take hold of what they've got with Charlotte and just the new NXT crowd coming in that they seem hungry. They're not posh. They're, they're rough. They're rugged. Let's keep this going and let's see an end to this Divas era and let's bring in the women's title back. Yeah, interesting. Interesting that you said that because uh, you know one of the, one of the few interesting things. Well, one of the few takeaways that I that I received from uh, the, the the podcast that was worth interest uh, was uh, was Paige mentioning the bringing the woman's title back. At least that was interesting. At least uh, I don't know if she got a slap on the wrist by Vince McMahon at the end. By doing that, but I—that's something I totally agree with. That that butterfly title has to go. It's it's a ridiculous looking title. It just takes the prestige to me uh, of this that away. So, next question: Who was the first Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion? Who was the first Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion? Miss TV, we get Kevin Owens and Cesaro. I like this feud. I think that, I think it's great. I think it's a great mid card feud. I just really think I just really wish that it was for the the U.S. title. And great uh, um, great comment here. Whoever wins the world title 
um, will is going to lose have Seamus uh, cash on them. Um, it just that that makes perfect sense. Absolutely, make perfect sense. The only thing is, it just really seems as if Cena is going to. Uh, it seems as if Cena is going to win. Uh, just just to have because you want Seamus to get. Seamus cashing in on on Rollins just wouldn't make any sense. However, you would have Rollins still being the United States champion if he wins. So, you know, however, I I think, I I really think that that Seth Rollins just needs to hit the reset button. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, people think that I'm very critical. and People think that I'm very... You know, I'm I'm too critical of Seth Rollins' run, but it's like one of those things that I know his work. I've watched, I watched Tyler Black grind. I've watched the grind of Tyler Black. You know, I I remember when he was with Jimmy Jacobs, the Age of the Fall, in ROH. I remember when he was in the Indies losing to Awesome Kong. You know. Uh, at, at or well, actually amazing Kong in the Indies, and so you know I remember those days when when he was Tyler Black and he won the ROH you know World Championship. So I you know you you're 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 not you're not talking to someone who doesn't know the history of Tyler Black. I, I know I, I've seen it. I, I've seen the grind that he's had over the years to make me respect him as a wrestler. I just think that the WWE is just miss uh, they're, they're mismanaging the ability that Seth Rollins has. I think that he's being poorly booked. I don't like him as a character. I don't like what they're doing with them and I I stick to it. Not because I'm just some flighty, you know, fan who just found out about Seth Rollins. No, I've watched Tyler Black for a number of years now in the Indies and in ROH. And I know his potential to be a strong baby face and a, both both a strong heel. He's been both. He was he was the man in ROH. He was a huge baby face in ROH uh, towards the end of his career. So he, he has the ability. He has the potential to be way over. And I... And I you know, I've said this many times before. He has the opportunity to have that Hardy 2.0 pop, is what I call it. You know, Jeff Hardy for for a point in time during his world title, uh, you know, runs during in, in the WWE, he had that rock star style pop to him. And I think that Seth Rollins not only can can match that, I think that Seth Rollins actually has the potential to exceed that. I certainly see Seth Rollins being better than Jeff Hardy. I wasn't a big Jeff Hardy fan in the first place. I mean, definitely, I mean, I think that he was a world title contender. I mean, I, I'm not knocking his world title reigns. I don't think, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been world champion, but I certainly think that Seth Rollins has the potential to be better and you know to to match Jeff Hardy's success and be better uh from all of it i mean he's a better promo cutter than Jeff Hardy you know he's he has better psychology than Jeff Hardy and you know he has the he has better in-ring ability than Jeff Hardy so 
he has that type of baby face potential to him, and I and I they're just they're just mismanaging. They're they're, they're just booking him so wrong, and I, I just really hope that they hit the reset button. Uh, there you go. Great, uh, <laughs> great, great picture. I, I love. I absolutely love uh, WAW Nation. Um, great picture there with uh, with Tyler Black was with uh, Jimmy Jacobs and uh, Delirious. Yeah, uh, it's just they're mis. Yeah, you're absolutely they're mismanaging the Billy Seth Rollins has absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting that they are doing that because he's the world champion and, and they're still. It's absolutely ridiculous what they're doing. So uh, he needs to hit the reset button. Uh, I hope that SummerSlam gives him the opportunity to do that. Um, I, I don't know who's next in his feuding. I, I really don't know. But, you know, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow they do some type of <clears> – <throat> Randy Orton versus Sheamus match at Night of Champions for the title because Sheamus wins. They'll probably do some type of rematch between Cena and, and Seth Rollins for the U.S. champion. So they, they still probably, after SummerSlam, they won't try to reset his character, although they, although they should. But at least for the, the rest of the year, unfortunately, they probably they probably won't. And, it, and that's really sad. Uh, absolutely, really, really, really sad. Uh, I don't think Jeff Hardy was ever a heel in WWE either. No, he was not. Uh, he he was not uh, a heel. I believe that the Hardys were heels in the very beginning, though, when they were with Michael Hayes, if I'm not mistaken. I think they had a very short heel run. But other than that, I don't recall Jeff Hardy ever being a heel. I know Matt Hardy uh, was a heel twice, well, more like two or three times when he did the V1, which was probably his best his best uh, time in the WWE. And then when he turned on Hardy to lead to their match at SummerSlam against when Hardy was uh, when when Hardy was going against Edge, I believe it was. And then the um the, the the thing that he was going on with the toward the latter part of his career when he when he got when he was wearing tights and just got totally out of shape, man. It was it was just a really bad type of look that Matt Hardy was having unfortunately. Uh, at least he's trying to get back in better shape, you know, now with in, in TNA I am seeing and you know, I've always, uh, to be honest with you, I was always a bigger Matt Hardy fan than Jeff Hardy. Um, I, I just was, and there was something about Matt Hardy I thought was better from a charismatic standpoint. And to be to be quite honest with you, I would I would be totally okay with Matt Hardy being TNA champion. I I, I think that he's been in the business enough, long enough to to uh, to pay. I think he deserves it. I think that uh, him being TNA champ, you know, wouldn't be too bad. Him and EC3 has a, uh, a um, title match coming up tomorrow at uh, their free pay-per-view, No Surrender. So uh, I know some spoilers that I'm not going to divulge, but uh, I, I, as far as the women's 
championship is concerned. But I think Matt Hardy is a, a, a suitable, a suitable main eventer. So let's see here. What what trivia question? Let's see. What was the trivia question? Yeah, Brian Lee, prime time Brian Lee. That's absolutely correct. Great job. Uh, and I think I, I said Brian Adams and Brian Clark. What were their team name? I don't. I don't think I see. I saw that Brian Adams and Brian Clark. What were their team name? I think I asked a. a, a yeah, what were the team names? So I, I didn't see that yet. All right. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, Chronic. That was uh, that. That was the correct answer. I did, I did see that. Um, Chronic. And last week, uh, I asked a question that I don't think nobody answered. I said, uh, "What was the event that?" Um, Dino Bravo did his max bench press at. How much was it, and who spotted him? What was the event? How much was it, and who spotted him? But yeah, Kevin Owens and Cesaro. That's a you know I like it. Like I said, I, I was hoping that would be a, for the U.S. title. It just made more sense. But I mean, I would say probably the most improved wrestler. Not not. Not, not from a wrestling standpoint, from but from a push standpoint, would be Kevin Owens. Uh, not Kevin Owens, but Cesaro. I definitely think that Cesaro is, uh, you know, sad for Kevin Owens, but I really think that Cesaro cannot afford to lose a match. This guy is red hot right now, and he he, he can't lose. <laughs> he he. You know, sadly for Kevin Owens, you know, this will be his first, I mean, this will be his fourth WWE uh, pay-per-view or major events loss if he loses to Cesaro. But to be honest with you, Cesaro can't afford to lose. This guy is red hot. He's the most, to me, he's probably the hottest superstar in the WWE as far as, as far as, rise is concerned as far as ascension to uh main event status or, or just climbing up and status is concerned way over he's just uh, you know i remember when he first i mean I, I think he even said this in a uh a house show before uh as fact that he didn't like his uh theme song and but his for some reason his theme song fits him perfectly now. It's the same theme song that he had for quite some time, but it fits him perfectly now. And it just the no nonsense character that they're building with him. He's really get getting an opportunity to show his wrestling skills, which he you know, he's had he's had he showed it a bunch of times but he he really he really didn't have an opportunity to really show it from a upper mid card slash main event level. And if you man, if you don't know about Cesaro, you have been missing out and you are missing out because this guy is amazing and I absolutely love the fact that they're finally giving him a, an opportunity to shine. Absolutely, finally. I mean it's probably Tyson Kidd was the best thing, you know, 
getting injured to happen to Cesaro. Unfortunately, I hate to say that. Tyson Kidd has come back soon. But as for Cesaro's personality and his statement with the WWE, he's absolutely red hot. And he came in looking like a Ryback or a Nathan Jones or something that, you know, he's something, but he's not at that level yet. Well, he's at that level now. WWE, take notice. And if Stone Cold even asked McMahon, you know, why isn't Cesaro over? I'm like, oh, I don't know. What kind of answer is that? Cesaro made himself over. He made it to where he is now. And he's done it for the past couple years, just always showing up, always being who he can be. And he never, he has yet to really let you down on his own terms. In WWE terms, okay, you're going to jump at this person or that person, or you're going to tag you with this person or that. Now, Cesaro has just made the best thing product that he can put out, and it's finally paying off. Is he going to be champion soon? Are they going to raise him to the main event? Well, that's up to corporation, but or the authority. But uh, as far as Cesaro goes, he he can do that. He can he can make that, and they just have to have faith in him because everyone else is behind him. Everyone else has faith in this guy. Let the guy go. Let him be what he needs to be, what he can be. And I don't know what what, what they would have against that. Yep. Well said. Uh, Royal Rumble 88, 7-15, Jesse Ventura, bingo, great job. Who, uh, was the, who, who was on the babyface team when Hogan made his heel turn at Bash of the Beast 1996? Who was on the babyface team uh, against the uh, NWO. Well, they weren't the NWO at that time. They were called the Outsiders, but uh, they weren't the NWO until um, Hogan and, uh, initiating it and announcing it. This is the new world order of professional wrestling, brother. So who was on the babyface team during that moment in time? Rusev defeating, uh, yes, absolutely, Sting, Savage, Luger, absolutely. And I, I was just talking to a great friend of mine about this. They they plotted that 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 match was so perfectly booked. I, I loved everything about that match booked. And you know what? It, what made it so amazing is that Luger got injured, and a lot of people don't realize this. I, I've I've listened to many many podcasts about this. And been a part of many conversations about this, and listen to conversations about this. A lot of people don't mention the fact that it was so amazingly booked because Luger was the one who got injured, so it ended up being two on two, and it even brought in more of oh, it can't be Hogan. Hogan's coming to save the day, you know. Even when even when Bobby Heenan said, "Whose side is he on?" You know, uh, Dusty Rhodes and Tully, uh, Tony Schiavone, you know, they they were just, you know, dismissing that comment like, oh, you're, you're, yeah, I've all, I know you're, you've always hated Hogan. You're, you know, you're basically that was a idiotic statement. And it's just amazing how they, they put that dynamic in there that this can't be true. Why would you even say something like that? Luger, you know, got kayfabe injured to be sent to the back, so it was two on two. So Hogan comes out to, you know, seemingly defend WCW, 
and just oh man, just not, Bash the Beast nineteen ninety six, and it was so funny because that whole that card as a whole wasn't that good. I remember Conan and Ric Flair uh, went against each other for the U.S. title. That was a it just wasn't a very good card all, overall. But just that that it didn't need to be a good card overall because that is probably one of the top three most memorable pay per views of all time, really of all time. So it was it was such a perfectly timed, perfectly booked match, and every type of storytelling purpose. It was just absolutely amazing. But what wasn't amazing is Rusev defeating Mark Henry in such a squash match, and then they had the nerve to book and to to highlight Mark Henry and uh, the primetime players going against the New Day at at SmackDown, like. Mark Henry just got squashed, uh, almost 20-year veteran, former world heavyweight champion, former European champion, almost former ECW champion, almost 20-year veteran. He comes in, and he gets squashed, basically, by Rusev. Multiple kicks, at least on SmackDown last week, Jack Swagger was in his home state of Oklahoma, so at least he had an opportunity to kind of rebound and have that, you know, hometown pop of, you know, kind of winning the battle, so uh, so to speak, or kind of one-upping Rusev. But true, you know, Mark Henry wasn't in Selsby, Texas, but at the same time, it's like, are you just stripping Mark Henry from all for all of his dignity at this point? He's heel, babyface, heel, babyface, heel, babyface. And then whether he's heel or babyface, he loses. And... He's just being stripped away from his Hall of Fame status at this point. I think that Mark Henry is definitely a shoe in Hall of Famer. I think he's you know, he's been with the business in the WWE for almost twenty years. I mean, he well deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I mean, come on, they are just they are just doing a horrible job with protecting any part of a legacy that Mark Henry have developed in the past almost 20 years. And oh, it's just ridiculous to see him come out every week. It's ridiculous. I'm, I don't want to see anymore. I mean, Mark Henry is at the bottom of the totem pole. And, I mean, that's a shame because of his his veteran status. And, I mean, you don't treat veterans like that. I mean, the first thing they teach you when you're in, go to wrestling school or anything is your veterans are everything. You do not disrespect them. WWE does that week in and week out, and it's it's a travesty. I just kind of wish Mark Henry would just pull away and be done with it. Because I mean, obviously, I mean, how can anybody rebound from the way he loses? As many times as he loses, same thing for the Big Show. So, and tell Mark Henry to walk out in the sunset or go join TNA because it's we have no business for here. And sadly, I hate to say that, or just don't give him a wrestling role if you're just going to treat him that way. It's like it's, I don't know, it's like taking a beaten dog and just telling them to go run five miles. <laughs> They're just not going to do it. Yeah, and it's I'm done with. It. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick, uh, y'all yeah, think we have some time to address this question right quick? I know um, Scott Hall stayed away from his problems. Where do you think his career will be now? Um, I still don't think that 
just real quick, I still don't think that uh, he would have been a world champion. I think I think Scott Hall should have been uh, at least a, a WCW champion sometime in his career. But he, to be honest with you, even more than that, he was way over as, as Razor Ramon. He was way over uh, in the mid-90s, around 96, 95, 96. He was way over as Razor Ramon. And to be honest with you, I don't know why they didn't decide to make him world champion uh, at uh, one time. Well, I'll say probably 90, more 94, 95, right before um, they came to the WWE, uh, right, right before they came to the um, WCW in 96. So around 94, 95, especially 95, a big, huge year for Razor Ramon, way over. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, 95 was Diesel, well, 94 was Diesel year, I believe, because I think uh, Diesel and Mabel stunk up the place at SummerSlam 94, if I'm not mistaken, Derek. You can help me out on this. If uh, Or was it 95? Did they, did they stink up, uh, yeah, did they, yeah, they stunk up SummerSlam 95. So, yeah, it, it just... It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense for him to have, you know, the shaft at that point in time. I, I think that he should have won the uh, the world title in '94, '95 because I think that he was uh, way over at, the, uh, at that time. Um, so yeah, sadly, but I think that uh, he should have been. I, I think he should have been the top guy at least for a little bit in the WWE. He could have been. He could have been a total top guy. But, again, like you kind of said, he didn't really need it because he was so over just being himself. He was too cool for the belt, almost. Kind of like how Piper was cool before cool as being cool or whatever. He was, ra- he was rowdy before rowdy was cool. Yeah, that's the same thing with the Razor Ramon. He didn't need that title prestige because just his personality alone just gets him over no matter what. And it's and he just has that smart attitude that, you know, I'm better than anything. I'm better than that. I'm just, I use coolness. So, it's, it's not that big of a shock to me. He never won the title. He didn't really need more the title. His name alone, which is very few and far between, your name does not need to be associated with the title because you were just that good, like a Jake the Snake, you know. It was, that's who you are, Razor Ramon. You're Scott Hall. Everyone knows the toothpick. You flick it in someone's face and hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. It's yeah. survey time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 94 was uh, Razor and Michaels. That's when they had their two ladder matches at um, both WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that cool, though? They had a ladder match at WrestleMania and SummerSlam. That's that's amazing, man. That's, that's really, really incredibly cool. Um but was it, uh, let me see, because 95 was SummerSlam. SummerSlam 95, did they have it, or was it the, what's, was it Was it the same year that they had the, uh, the ladder match, or was it SummerSlam 95 that they had? I thought they had the ladder match the same twice in one year. Uh, maybe a little off as far as, um, which year it was, but I, th- I thought this. I thought the latter match was uh, 
the same here. It was in the ninety-five that they had this the, the ladder match, uh, Michaels and, and, and Razor. Um, I'm trying to figure out what was. Watch it, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get. I'm sure we'll get the answer by someone who's listening real soon. Um, but let's get to real quick before we get to Piper. Let's get to uh, Keen Baird and Zack Ryder. To, you know, that, that, that's no, it wasn't worth anything. Payment and Lesnar promo. You know, it was a good way to, um, you know, to to show some some manness uh, for Brock Lesnar uh, while he was uh, going back and forth with uh, the Undertaker. Um, and then Paige and Naomi, I mean, it just seems like that was just set up for the interview. And then, of course, uh, Reigns, Ambrose, and Orton defeating uh, Sheamus, Wyatt, and Harper. Um, you know, Wyatt taking the uh, – well, Sheamus taking the fall. Um, make it, I'd imagine it makes sense because, you know, it just seems like before people cash in the money in the bank, they go on some type of weird losing streak for some reason. We saw that with Daniel Bryan. We saw that with uh, with The Miz. We saw that with with Dolph Ziggler. So, yeah, they go on some weird streak. Yeah, uh, yeah it was 95 because uh, Razor and Diesel was for the Intercontinental Championship in 94. And then 95 was, uh, so almost a year and a half later, they'd had a second ladder match, uh, Michaels and Razor. So that was uh, great stuff right there. But, yeah, uh, it just seems as if they're going to, Sheamus is going to cash it in uh, at at SummerSlam, it seems seems like. There's the big cash-in moment. Daniel Bryan did it a couple years ago, so... It makes sense, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, it, but at the same time, to me, Reigns, Reigns and Ambrose against Wyatt and Harper does not seem like a marquee match. At it just seems like I said this before. I just think that they need another layer, you know, in that match. I understand if, if Sting doesn't come, I've gotten to the point where, uh, you know. Sting is going to be there that weekend for autograph signings. Why in the heck is he not going to be on this show? Why would you fly him to New York to sign autographs? That just doesn't make sense at all. It makes absolutely no sense to be there that weekend and not show up at the pay-per-view. But, uh, you know, he, he might do – I think the, probably the layer is probably him coming out probably at the end. It just seems like we'll get Reigns and Ambrose against Wyatt and Harper – Reigns and Ambrose might win, or there might be a disqualification because I think Rowan's just about good, just about clear. They've had some talks with uh, Lee about Leo Kruger being a part of it. So whether Kruger or um, or, or Rowan, either way, it, it doesn't matter. Sting does a, you know, saves the day, does the vigilante thing at the end. I'd be okay with that. At least he makes an appearance. It's okay. Uh, if he if that leads to Sting versus Bray um, at Royal Rumble, or so, I think Sting versus Bray at Survivor Series would make sense. Uh, I'd, I'd be okay with that too. So uh, I, I think that there is. So I think that there, there's hope in possibly seeing Sting at SummerSlam. You can see Sting at SummerSlam. It's not going to be, you know, like an in-ring, you know, match competition. 
But, I mean, maybe it's something. Maybe he's going to have a match at his one-year anniversary. Yeah, I think it was Survivor Series last year is when he first came out and pointed yeah. to that at Triple H and all that. So, it could be something like that. We'll, we'll see. I don't see him being that big thing in SummerSlam, or else they would have advertised him by now, but they don't need the thing for SummerSlam. So, we'll, uh, we'll see where the dice lays, because four hours is a lot of time to fill for wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so great point, mate, right quick. Uh, that was uh, actually... Um, that was actually this a possibly potentially be the the third cash in at SummerSlam. Del Rio did it when Kevin Nash uh, power bombed uh, CM Punk back in uh, 2011. So yeah, that's uh, this could possibly be. So as for what it seems for what it seems like every two years <laughs> so far they've cashed uh, the the money in the bank. Because uh, Rollins won it last year and didn't cash it until uh, SummerSlam. Oh, excuse me, it was, uh, WrestleMania, but uh, Del Rio cashed it uh, 2011 SummerSlam, and then Orton did it in 2013. So yeah, this could be this could this could be another opportunity for for Sheamus to do it. All right, let's let's talk about Piper for a little bit and wrap it up. Is it now time for the flavor of the week? It is now time for the flavor of the week. Oh, great, great call, Derek. <laughs> it is time for the flavor of the week. Yeah. Uh, so, so Piper, man, I, I, I don't even know where to start. So, we've got five minutes. So, uh, express discussion of Piper. Let's talk about. Uh, 92, I think 92 was one of his best years in the WWE. Uh, when he won, I remember I marked out. I only have a few mark-out moments that I can remember, like really big mark-out moments. Um, and in just my career as a wrestler, uh, wrestling fan. Now, of course, I have like, you know, many mark-out moments. Like, oh, that was amazing. But I remember when, I remember when, 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 Kurt Hennig beat Ric Flair on the January episode of, of Raw in 1993. Um, that there was a loser leaves WWE match. I marked out when Hennig beat Flair. That was an amazing match. Uh, just recently, when Jericho came to the uh, was the second entrant in the Royal Rumble a few years back. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, when Biggie won the Intercontinental Championship. When Sting won the. Uh, World, uh, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship from uh, Ric Flair back in uh, Great American Bash 1990. Um, and there's a few more. And of course, when Ron Simmons uh, beat Vader uh, in, in August of uh, 92, that, uh, that that's probably there's probably a few more, but those are my biggest markout moments that I, I can I can recall having. Um, but yeah, Roddy Piper beating the Mountie in '92 for the Intercontinental Championship was one of those moments. I was uh, uh, Piper as a babyface, uh, as a heel. You know, words can't describe how much amazing, how amazing he was a heel. But as a babyface, he was he was just as good because he still had that cocky, brash character to him. He didn't change. You know, he was still. Rowdy Roddy Piper, you know, and it was amazing. Beats the Mountie, 
for the Intercontinental Championship, you know, holds it for a few months and loses it to, to, to Bret Hart, and, and that match was absolutely amazing at WrestleMania 8. So there's so many memories that uh, Roddy Piper has given us, and, you know, he's definitely one of, one of the greatest ever. Uh, he was the greatest ever, one of the greatest ever. And what I really remember is when he got behind Virgil, I think it was SummerSlam 91, around that time when the Million Dollar Man, I think it was at the Royal Rumble, Virgil finally you know, decided to <clears throat> get away from uh, Ted DiBiase, and Roddy Piper was behind him. He had a broken leg. He was on crutches. And For me, I don't know why. I just remember that a lot. Apart from that, with him and you know, Hogan back in the day, I just... There's something about Roddy Piper. I mean, WrestleMania Five when he uh, he went up against was uh, Piper's pit, Morton Downey Jr. For all you old school people out there, remember Morton Downey Jr. is the precursor to Jerry Springer and all that stuff. I mean, he took a fire extinguisher at the guy's face, and you know, never knew what to expect with Piper. But it was always you walked away. I mean, like you said, a total. You're such a mark. He had you in the palm of his hand, and you just you loved every second of it. Yeah. Not many people can do that anymore. And it, the last mark-out moment I actually had was probably when uh, The Rock beat John Cena at WrestleMania a couple years ago for me. But getting back to Roddy Piper, I mean, the guy himself was just... I, you didn't like him, but you loved him. He was just as big as Hogan was back in the day because it, Hogan never cleanly pinned him. And Piper just immersed himself in just making himself to be the biggest jerk. But you loved it because he made you laugh. It was funny. And it was you, you wanted to see Hogan just strangle the guy, Mr. T, whoever was involved. But he always got away in the end, and he always had that smile on his face. Yeah. The guy just, you just, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just. Doggone it, it was such a huge loss for him to go, and it was so unexpected. I hope the WWE yeah. continues to honor him like they do Dusty, because it's just something that's honestly sad, I sad, totally agree. sad. I totally agree. I think that, you know, they, they did a little, you know, tribute a couple times on Raw, but, you know, they, they need to put together something for him. I mean, there's so much footage that, you know, they have. Uh, I don't know if they have the Mid-Atlanta. I don't, I don't know if um, they have all the Crockett footage. I don't think that they do. Um, it would be great if they had the Mid-Atlantic footage as well. I know they do have the NWA library, um, but I'm not sure if they have the Mid-Atlantic library. But, man, I, I just wish that they would have that Mid-Atlantic library to, to, to show – Piper is oh man he was an amazing heel in Mid Atlantic had the uh, the plaid you know uh, trunks on and of course the you know the coconut with the snooker you know awesome uh, the 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 uh, Morton Downey Jr. Seg, uh, segment I believe that was WrestleMania five if I'm not mistaken um, <clears throat> with uh, with the Morton Downey Jr. Um, Real real quick, this person who said that has a Tennessee Titans logo, and that's absolutely amazing. That's my favorite football team. So kudos to you. They suck. But but we digress. Uh, you know, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, 
it says when Piper got to heaven, the angels paid the backpipes for Roddy. You know, there you go, right there. I actually wrote a, a, an article at pwmania.com that said uh, that was actually titled "Save a Backpipe for Me, Roddy," and it talked about you know just my appreciation, Rowdy, Roddy pwmania.com. I'm a feature columnist there, so I wrote um, just on the featured item, I write columns for them. But also, CraveWrestling at gmail.com, CraveWrestling on Twitter, at CraveWrestling, CraveWrestling Facebook page. Hey, if you want to donate to the show, PayPal at CraveWrestling at gmail.com. So, hey, we appreciate you. Fantastic episode. Roddy Roddy Popper, you'll be missed. We'll talk more Roddy. We'll always talk Roddy Piper because he's one of the all-time greats. And so, great interaction today. Fantastic job, everyone. I really, really enjoyed myself tonight, as I do every night. All right, SummerSlam is brewing up. Hopefully, we get better rolls the next coming. Thank you so much. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. Daddy loves eating Elijah, and God bless. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.